Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hello i'm craig and welcome to another episode of football kit memories the football podcast that gets under the shirt in today's episode i'm joined by a true footballing great it's martin o'neill Martin has recently published his excellent memoir on days like these and I was lucky enough to catch up with him to discuss his career through his choice of three different football shirts. A league and two-time European Cup winner at Nottingham Forest, Martin went on to augment his trophy cabinet with yet more honours as a top-level manager at clubs like Leicester City, Celtic, Aston Villa, Sunderland and various others. Martin was also captain of the famous Northern Ireland national team that reached the second round of the World Cup in 1982, something he reprised later in his career as a manager of the Republic of Ireland at Euro 2016. Martin was kind enough to put a lot of thought into his shirt choices and this, coupled with his unique storytelling ability, means that listeners are in for a real treat today. Remember, you can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do like, follow, share, but above all, please do enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today's guest on the podcast really needs no introduction if you're a football fan. It's Mr. Martin O'Neill. How are you, Martin? I'm fine, Craig. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining my Football Kit Memories. What an honour this is, mate. Um, you've had an incredible career and you've just published your memoir. It's called On Days Like These. I'm about halfway through it at the moment. Uh, you're just about to take the Celtic job. Uh, I think from memory, no spoilers. I think that goes quite well, but let's not spoil that. Um, and you've done a lot of different kind of media, you've done a lot of different kind of podcasts and media appearances. How has that all been for you? What's it been like reflecting on your career? I, I, I suppose really, yeah, I um, there was uh, obviously part of me with the with the publishers uh, uh, needing to do some some work on it. Um, and then one or two of the podcasts I, I really enjoyed. And then when a, a few others asked about it, I did really had no hesitation in doing them. I I, I found them uh, I found them interesting. People coming from different angles, a wee bit like yourself now mm. today, and um, and so that was that that I found that really interesting. Yes, not always about necessarily about uh, a progression of football career or sometimes regression of a football career, <laughs> but uh, but overall just uh, just interesting things along the way. And what's the reception to the book been like? It's I have to say, well, let me put it this: the publishers are delighted with it. You know, Fantastic. really delighted. 
and uh, I think that, uh, and I suppose if you can, uh, if you can please your bosses, then that that's okay. I, they, they are seriously delighted. So and it's uh, and it's gone down rather well. No, that's great. Well, as I say, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Really looking forward to finishing it myself. Um, so Martin, today we're here to talk about football shirts, and the question I ask everybody on the podcast is, what do football shirts mean to you? Oh, well, just about everything, really. Uh, you are you're not just necessarily talking about international shirts. You're talking about shirts worn at club level. And uh, yeah, absolutely everything, because without the shirt, there's there's nothing. Mm. It's um, uh, from the minute, I suppose, I, I stepped in as a professional footballer uh, to wear the first shirt with the Nottingham Forest first team. It meant a great deal, even even actually to wearing the, the Nottingham Forest shirt of the reserves, my first reserve game. Really? Right. I absolutely meant meant everything. I, I was thrust into it on a on a Saturday afternoon. That's the interesting thing way back when you're going back to uh, to the early 1970s. Hmm. Um, the reserve team would play at the same time as the first team. Uh, so let, let, that particular weekend... That I that I joined the football club, the top, uh, the um, Nottingham Forest first team were playing at White Hart Lane, but right. we we would be at the City Ground playing Leeds United reserves. Okay. So so that was the way. So it wasn't um, obviously lots of things have changed. I know in terms of squad, but really, so the opportunity to see the first team uh, play when you were playing in the reserves um, was were essentially few and far between. Although. Right. Although the following week, and almost, I'm almost contradicting myself here, the following week, um, which would be my second game, second reserve game, we played on a Friday night at the baseball ground at Derby County, okay. where there were about 10,000 people at the game for the reserve, reserve game. Wow. Yeah, because Nottingham Forest and Derby at that stage, massive rivals. Mm. And the following day, the following day, we did get the chance because Nottingham Forest played at the city ground against Derby County. And Derby in that year, 1971-72, they won the game 2-0 and went on to win the league. Right. And unfortunately, we, Nottingham Forest, I then became part of this year, were relegated. So, <laughs> um, so it was, uh, but in terms of the shirts, in terms of the question that you ask, absolutely everything, yeah. Were you were you big on keeping stuff from your career? You know, like the nostalgia and the artifacts and things. Oh, I'm a, I'm a hoarder. Yes, yeah. I I don't look at things too much, you know. But I'm a hoarder. In fact, um, I had some shirts saved up, some that I kept myself, some obviously I exchanged. I put them in a a, a big container when we were moving. We were moving house about twenty about twenty five years ago. Right, and um, I had uh, I'd put all of these things into a, a, a large container, and seriously, Craig, I had not looked at this container for twenty five years. Wow. So my daughters, my daughters who had never really never seen me play, um, had asked what was in the big container. So and there's that kind of a fear that when you're opening up after the number of years, that perhaps yeah. maybe they had been eaten away or that they had wrote yeah. it in some aspect. But no, there they were, still as, um, still as I, I was nearly going to say pristine, but they they certainly weren't pristine. But uh, <laughs> they were uh, they were still in good shape. Yeah, that's nice. So you have none on the walls or anything like that. They're all kind of locked no, away. No, I don't have a thing in a wall. Absolutely, uh, don't I? I haven't bedecked my uh, my downstairs loo or anything like this here. No, <laughs> absolutely not. No. So I um, I felt I felt at times that if you have. A lot of photographs. So, and funny enough, 
again, my daughters are saying, Dad, at least you should have some room for some memorabilia. Mm. But, um, well, I said, I'll, I'll probably leave it to them if that's the case. I, I, I don't know. I just, um, I I suppose I probably wanted a, a, a home to be a home without uh, without all of those things. But listen, you've, you've put a thought into my head now, as had my daughters. So may, maybe... <laughs> Maybe when you come round to visit, maybe there'll be nothing but pictures on the wall. Wow, well, maybe one day. I look forward to seeing it, Martin. Um, so look, let's let's talk about your first shirt. So this is a really interesting one. So this is your first amateur cap for amateur Northern Ireland in 1971. Uh, yes, it would be. Uh, yeah, in fact, it was. Uh, um, it would have been. Yeah, 70, 71 season. Yeah, and I'll give you. I'll give you the. I'll give you the background too. I was playing. I was a, a student at Queen's University and I was playing for um, a distillery, an Irish league team. They were a semi-professional side, but I was an amateur. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence, there were like, a, do you know? Do you remember the old home international series, Northern Ireland, England, Scotland and Wales? Yeah. Well, to a certain extent, there was that at amateur level. You had to be an amateur player for a start. But they did give out shirts and you were allowed to keep your shirts. Right. So by the, time, by the time that I'd come to some sort of local prominence, as it were, then uh, Northern Ireland, I believe, had already played England in that particular season. I think they played Wales. But there was still a game left against Scotland to play at um, at the Oval, which is a uh, um, uh, second biggest ground, I suppose, in, in Northern Ireland. Right. Uh, the Glentoran team play there. Uh, Linfield play at the at Windsor Park mm -hmm. so and I obviously have this opportunity now to play and of course it is a massive accolade it really is it's my yeah. shirt it's a green shirt it's got the badge on the on your left hand breast and it's really and it was just fantastic there wasn't a prayer of me exchanging that shirt for any other <laughs> shirt and, I, and we could have been playing we were playing Scotland we could have been playing Brazil we could have been playing England it wouldn't have made any difference mm -hmm. I wanted keep the shirt but just the, the dawning of the shirt that that evening in the game and there wasn't a massive crowd at the match and maybe maybe three or four thousand people or something like this here coming to that really was insignificant that didn't yeah. matter much but it was just the dawning of the shirt and thinking that this is the start of perhaps your uh, of a career but it was the greenness of the shirt I think as as much as anything else incredible really and yeah. It wasn't like a shirt of today, you know. So you know, it was it, it, to a certain extent, you know, it's uh, it was relatively heavy, you know. But it was just absolutely fantastic. So um, we played the game. I had no no intention of exchanging shirts. And to be fair, to, I don't think most of the Scotland players were going to do it either. I think okay. they wanted their own shirts. And at amateur level, I think you wanted to you wanted to show something for that. Mm -hmm. And but I do I do remember uh, having. Having the shirt, I don't remember too much about the game, remarkably. But at the end, when I came home, my younger brother, a couple of years younger than me, was so was entranced by the shirt and uh, and uh, looked at it. You know, thought this was fantastic. And of yeah. course, it had a couple of marks on it, um, you know, dirt marks and things that you see here. So he proceeds to wash the shirt and uh, <laughs> dry it out. So uh, not only was it um, not only was it a big thing for me, but obviously for my younger brother who was. Absolutely delighted for me. So it's uh, just you—you you felt as if you know it's—it's it's, in the scheme of things, maybe it wasn't that important. But to me, at that time, it was everything. Really special moment. And was that a well-trodden path from the amateurs up to the kind of professional leagues and the professional national team as well? 
I'm not I'm not I'm not widely sure about that there. I think that um, um, it would be interesting now. I wish I had the team sheet. It'd be interesting to find out just how many of that amateur side mm. uh, went on to play went on to play professional football in England, for instance. And of course, England, uh, the big league in England, the first division, as it was called then at that yeah. time, Premier League now was the was the Holy Grail. That's 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 where you wanted to be. So, uh, but in terms of in terms of progression, I, I'm not so sure that that was the general general trend. I mean, a lot of players, for instance, if they were good enough to play Irish League uh, football, they might be they might sign semi professional forms, which would immediately uh, prevent them from being an amateur anymore. Right. Okay. But uh, so that from from that viewpoint, and um, and while it, I, I, I keep re- repeating myself, it wasn't. It didn't seem such a, a a big thing these particular amateur internationals, but it was to me. Yeah, and I guess like looking at it from a wider lens as well, one of the things that really shocked me in the book was the speed at which things happened to you. I think it's seventy one. So correct me if I got this wrong. Right, seventy one. In April, you win the Irish Cup for distillery and you score two in the final. Yep. In September, you've you've qualified to play Barcelona in a Cup Winners Cup. You score in the New Camp. In October, you get your first full international cap against the USSR for Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. And then finally in that month in October, you signed professionally for Forest at 19 years old. Yeah. It was just blows my mind. It was whirlwind stuff. But I think at the time, yeah, I suppose because the the couple of goals in the uh, the Irish Cup final against Derry City for distillery give me, certainly give me a lot of, uh, again, um, a local local prominence for, Mm. for I, I think it was probably the goal I scored against Barcelona that would maybe have uh, given a wider audience, you know, in terms of more, yeah. more, more uh, wider traction anyway. And, and as a result of that scoring that goal, I, I, I certainly, um, the Irish scouts who were scouting for the big teams in England, for instance, mm. uh, would have been sending messages across. Anyway, the, the um, uh, to call a very long story short, within a, the manager of the the Northern Ireland team was a player manager called Terry Neal. And Terry Neal, right. you remember, went on to manage both Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur. But mm-hmm. he was player manager of Hull City at the time. And he um, there were a couple of injuries to players in that game against Russia you're talking about. And um, instead of bringing reinforcements from England, he I know Irish players playing in the big leagues and yeah. that, he decided to to, to have a, a a go with me, so he brings me into the squad. I get on for the last twenty minutes, and even though I hardly get a kick at the ball, um, within a week I was transferred to um, uh, to Nottingham Forest. Incredible, so, <clears throat> it was. And I think I think at the the phenomenal price of fifteen thousand pounds, <laughs> I suppose I suppose um, first division teams would possibly maybe just take a chance and say, well, okay, listen, well, uh, we're, we're hardly going to waste that money. We'll, play, we'll take a chance with him and see how he does. And I think that's probably what happened. But yeah. it, but I owe Terry Neal a lot. I'm, I went to his funeral there just a, a few months ago. Right. I owe okay. him a lot because he, um, uh, he, in actual fact, said to me after the game against Russia, he pulled me aside. He said that he was going to make a bid for me uh, for Hull City, who were in mm-hmm. the second division at the time, that he did. He bid ten thousand pounds for okay. me on the Saturday, and on the on the Tuesday, uh, Nottingham Forest upped it to fifteen thousand, and that's where I went to Nottingham Forest. Wow! There you go. Oh, History I, turns. Amazing! Amazing! Yeah, incredible. I could easily have been at Hull. So, 
before we move on to your second shirt, um, there is a story about a game you played earlier on in your career. I think it's 73 against Portugal, where you, you scored, in fact, against Portugal, and you wanted to swap shirts with Eusebio. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, didn't <laughs> everyone? Didn't everyone? Uh, Eusebio, um, for uh, for older people, would uh, might remember him as being an absolute star of the 1966 World Cup. He was slicing. He was a great, great player. One of the one of the best in the world. Um, but by 1973, I think he was perhaps just maybe maybe coming to the the end of what was an illustrious career. Mm. <laughs> And um, playing for Portugal, but still obviously a, bit, a very big name in the game. So our games at Coventry City, because Northern Ireland cannot play uh, games uh, because of the troubles. They can't mm-hmm. play back, back home. And uh, so it was at the old the stadium, Highfield Road. And uh, so I score a goal on my full debut. And, uh, that, wow. and that, so that's great. We, we draw the game. But um, obviously, at the end of the match, there is a rush for Eusebio's shirt. And, but he was being man-marked, I think, for the last 10 minutes of the game, primarily by, I think, Brian Hamilton, one of our <laughs> players, who had, well, even with a minute left, I think, had, 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 had almost Eusebio's shirt off his back. <laughs> at <clears throat> so Eusebio's walking, walking in um, bare-chested now after the game is over, and he's walking up the tunnel, obviously draped with... Um, or Brian Hamilton's Northern Ireland shirt draped uh, uh, around his neck. Yeah. Still bare. So I thought to myself, I'm going to get some sort of item of clothing of him. So <laughs> I I step up behind him and uh, and ask him for his shorts. <laughs> and because they were beautiful shorts, they know they were so they were so so nice. They had the um, the Portuguese national colours down the down the side. They nice. looked fantastic. And of course, you see, we were wearing them. And in fairness to him, uh, he uh, yeah, fine. He took the shorts off. So, <laughs> so by the time by the time he he got into the dressing room, the sanctuary of the dressing room, I should say, he was almost uh, almost completely naked. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, that was uh, just remarkable. So to have Eusebio's shorts was really pretty special. Fantastic. So look, we're moving on to, again, a really interesting game. So this is 1973. This is an All-Ireland eleven where you played Brazil and you swapped shirts with defensive midfielder Clodaldo. And that's the shirt you've chosen, this Brazil shirt worn by him. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. So what what happened? Nineteen seventy three. This is just a couple of months after that that uh, Eusebio incident, and it's in the summer. A game has been organised, uh, and Northern Ireland and Republic of Ireland select team under the name of Shamrock Rovers playing the touring uh, Brazilian national side. Now, what uh, Brazil were touring in nineteen seventy three because the the World Cup the following year was in Europe in in uh, in Germany. In 1974, so obviously uh, Brazil wanting to get used to European conditions, and they still had a handful of players from the great 1970 team. They had Rivellino, they had Jarzino, uh, Paulo Cesar, who had been uh, a very young lad in the 1970 game. I think or 1970 team had played once or twice, but was mm. a big star by 1973, and they had this. As you mentioned, defensive midfield player called Clodoaldo. Now, Clodoaldo was a big player for them in 1970. The 1970 team, Brazilian side with Pele, uh, Tostal, and uh, Rivellino, all of those players still considered perhaps the best best national side that's ever played. Yes. So to be in that team 
and to be a to be a, a prominent member of that team was really something big. So Clodoaldo is still fast forward the three years now, and Clodoaldo is in this in this game. He's playing, and we have got a select side with the likes of Derek Dugan playing, Johnny Giles, right. uh, honestly Pat Jennings playing. So and I I was in a really good spell both for club and country, and uh, and was asked to play in the game. So massive honour, really. Mm. So. Uh, and we lost 4-3 in a really uh, splendid game in Dublin. Really, really terrific. But to be playing alongside um, players like Johnny Giles and to be playing against the players, Rivellino, Jarzino, uh, Jarzino, who'd yeah, scored yeah. a single round in 1970. So those were fantastic. But I honestly, at the end of the game, exchanged shirts with Claudio Aldo. And um, Claudio Aldo might be remembered for anybody looking back and seeing... Um, seeing the um, the 1970 World Cup final where uh, Brazil essentially demolished um, um, Italy in the game. The final goal that was scored in that game was scored by the Al- Carlos Alberto, the fullback, almost right. overlapping, where Pele lays it into his path. But before that, in the build-up to the goal, there is a fellow who does about three or four little jigs with the ball, dancing yeah. around players before laying it aside. That's Claudio Aldo. Wow. But, um, and um, so Claudio Aldo, I still think is, I I believe, I, I think the last time I heard a couple of years ago was still based in Sao Paulo and uh, and still revered in uh, in Brazil, you know. So, uh, but anyway, that was the story to to get his shirt. And I know it might not have been the World Cup final shirt. Right. Yet one to get a Brazilian shirt, something. But to get Claudio Aldo, who played in the 1970 World Cup, that, yeah. was, that was particularly special. You know. What what do you do with that shirt afterwards? Do you bring that into training the next next time you're training at Forest and say, right, look okay. at this, lads, you know? Well, do you know, that's a very good point. And I think, uh, right, it was the summertime. So obviously it was a little bit of a break. Right. But I actually, I do think I did. And, and listen, sometimes memory plays tricks with you. But I would be... Uh, I would be inclined to possibly agree with that. I think I probably did bring the shirt in for pre-season training, like at least to let the players see it. And yeah. of course, I mean, uh, anything to do with Brazil, I don't, I, I don't care what division you're playing in in Europe. You know, is really special. So yeah. I, I, I'm quite sure that I that I showed the shirt off. Let me put it this way. I like and, it. Uh, yeah. So it was really, really brilliant. So I, I, <clears throat> I stood it away and. Um, um, is it stored or stored? Uh, well, both actually. Both, yeah, yeah, I can do it. And um, and I had it in a, a big, big container along among a number of other shirts. And honestly, Craig, I opened up after about twenty-five years, fearing the worst, fearing as if that this, this could be moth-ridden. Yeah, uh, no, it was in perfect condition. So it was incredible. Uh, yeah, absolutely, really great. So that was wow. nineteen seventy-three. So in terms of that game, that was I think it was fourth. It finished three four right and Brazil were four one up. Yep, and we got a couple of goals back in the game. But yeah, they were they. You know, in nineteen seventy four, a year later, excuse me, they didn't play particularly well in the World Cup. Yeah, but if if if, and I know it was only a friendly game, but if nineteen seventy three had had anything to do with and and the way that they were performed. I shouldn't really be saying this because it was only a friendly game, but it was played with a lot of gusto. Um, right, right. And certainly, certainly, it was never felt felt like a friendly game. Um, uh, Brazil were some of the younger players were trying to get into the side and trying to make yeah. a mark in the game. 
but they were they were a splendid outfit in 1973. Really, really a big team, which you would expect from still still having the remnants of the 1970 team around. Was there a big difference? Did you see between? You know, were they bigger guys? Were they more athletic? Were they more technical than you? You know yourself. That's, that's that again. It's a very good point. I I think you know what you could walk up and down the beaches of of Rio, and I would and you could see boys, you could see players playing, controlling the ball like you wouldn't believe, and then right. finding out that they're actually fifth division players. So <laughs> every, every Brazilian player should be able to control the ball. So. Uh, so I would just I, I accept that they're certainly strong. There's no doubt at all about it. This idea that you know that you know they're lithesome, but they're strong. They're mm. they're always well built, and I'd uh, and um, even the ones that would you know would be considered lighter players, they are still strong. They're hard yeah. to shake off the ball. Rivellino, in fact, in a couple of uh, in a couple of moments was absolutely masterful, masterful. Wow. Really, you know his. Um, his ability with his left foot was just incredible, you know. Yeah. That, that little step over that he did, and I, he was just, it was magical, seriously, and and um, and an absolute pleasure to be in the game. Yeah, unbelievable. Coming up, Martin shares his final football kit memory with me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
So Martin, this is your third and final shirt. So this is a shirt, a France shirt that you swapped with uh, Maris Trezor in the quarterfinals of the World Cup in 82. Was this a bit of a heartbreaker for you, this one? Well, it was. We are, um, we uh, Northern Ireland, first of all, have qualified for the World Cup, played in Spain. We are grouped with Spain in uh, and um, Yugoslavia which, at that time and Honduras. Um, we have a, fun, a fantastic night in Valencia where we beat Spain to qualify mm. for the quarterfinals of the competition. Now, the quarterfinals, because the teams had, had gone from 16 to 24, they had a strange sort of format. So the quarterfinals were kind of a round robin. Yeah. So we were grouped with France and... Um, Austria and Austria, and we had drawn the game against Austria two two. So essentially, we had to beat France to to be in the semi final of the World Cup, wow. which drawn, which we would have ended up playing against um, against Germany, so or West Germany as a, as it would have been called at that time. So we're playing against a, a star studded French side. You know, they've got the Platini, they've got um, Trezor at the back. They have um, uh, they have Gires, Rochto, um, uh, Tigana. Uh, the, side, list, yeah. the list absolutely. And I think to me that and this is a, a, a side issue. I would say Brazil in 1982 were the best side in the competition. They didn't win it. Yeah. Italy beat them. But if you if you said to me the second most talented side in England had a really good team at the time, uh, but um, I would have said you know. Uh, Player for player, individually, I would have said that France were were very, very close, you know, and could easily have done it. Anyway, so the game was played in a very hot afternoon in Madrid. And, um, and we, whatever we are, Northern Ireland, we are really good at holding on to a lead if we can get in front yeah. in the game. Um, and, um, and there's... But I say 25, 26, 27 minutes gone in the game. I play a one-two with Jerry Armstrong, who had a wonderful competition, by the mm. way, and um, hit this left foot into the net. And I'm halfway around Madrid celebrating before it's called back for offside. Oh. I wish VAR had been around, so I'm about a yard and a half onside. And and I I think it's to this day, I think it was, I, I played the one-two round Trezor, wow. uh, who put his hand up in the air. And right. in those days... People putting their hands up in there, alerting a referee who's not not terribly sure. Mm. And a yard and a half on say, and it's a shame, really, because if we had gone, if we'd stayed one nil, let's say we the goal counted, which it should have done, and we'd gone in at half time, one nil in front instead of one nil behind, because GRS scores about three minutes after that. So the right. turnaround in three minutes is incredible. Instead yeah. of us being one nil up, France are one nil up at the other end. Now, we tried to chase the game in the second half and they defeated us. They, they kept breaking away and scoring goals. But even so, just that... Um, so uh, maybe maybe uh, maybe being so downhearted after the game, maybe I shouldn't have been swapping with anybody. Yeah. But, um, but Trezor, the, the French side, were obviously a terrifically talented team. And uh, so, yeah, I exchanged shirts with uh, Trezor, the big, the big centre half. Who was a very very fine player, as mm. were the, most of the uh, French players anyway at the time. And I think um, in '82, if uh, if memory serves me correct, 
that was kind of the start of uh, kind of the start of the French Revolution, as it were, in the sense that you know, getting a side together, you know, going from from strength to strength. So yeah. from from the ashes, I suppose, of losing against uh, in the semi final that year to progression. But they had the group of players to prove it. You know, they really, they really were. So, but and and what could have been in yeah. the games, hence me choosing that shirt more 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 than others. That's fantastic. I mean, what a run that was in that World Cup. You you mentioned in the book about George Best um, and the kind of fondness you and the squad had for him. Um, obviously, he was kind of erratic in terms of like turning up late or not turning up at all. But you did mention in the book that with that fondness, there was a chance that he might have been able to play in that World Cup, even though he was 35, I think, and playing out in the US. He was scoring goals. Do you think that could have turned the tables for you guys a bit? <clears throat> I th- if if you were to ask any of the any of the squad now any of our squad now what forty odd years on mm. I think that we would all agree that George Best a, a, a twenty minute period of George Best playing I don't think and I don't think he was physically up to lasting games you know yeah. particularly in a short period of time but he was still playing he was still had the ability and and I. And I know it's it's too easy an equation to make and say, well, 20 minutes with George Best. Listen, he might have got on the field and maybe didn't get a kick, but he had yeah. the ability. He still had the ability to break, to to burst past players at that time. And and while he would never have been as fit as he was, and George Best was one of the fittest players to to, to play at that. Really? Yeah, George Best before 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 the. The, the big life took over him. Yeah, yeah. Was all the Manchester United players will tell you George Best was not only first for training, generally last last to leave, right. fittest fittest player. You know, always up at the front, really as as quick as any player, brave as a lion. George Best was phenomenal footballer, really phenomenal. Now it was at the back end of his uh, his time. Billy Bingham, I think that Billy, who was a splendid manager for us, I think Billy thought. That with George arriving, that George is George is maybe uh, maybe what shall I say? George might might get up to some off field antics at the time, but George was maturing or hope, hopefully maturing. If, yeah. if, if anybody ever matures, I don't know. And yeah. um, and I think that I think that uh, I think that Billy probably didn't want to take that risk. You know, we had. Uh, but if you were to ask all the players at that time, and now forty years on, ask, yeah, we would have loved to have a George Best in the squad because we believe that and you're just that a twenty minute, twenty minute, twenty five minute of vintage George Best. Yeah, and he'd been, he had been playing in a, a American. He'd been scoring some really decent goals. I think that um, I think that there was um, an episode up in Scotland where. Um, at, at Hibs, and I might have got these things wrong here, Craig. But I think there was something to do with thing that Billy Bingham was to to go and watch him play, and either uh, either George wasn't there uh, and Billy got disappointed, or he was there and didn't play well. I'm not right. exactly sure, but I know that there was some some sort of thing that prevented Billy Billy from from picking him. We he he sh- essentially we all feel he should have been there, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and who knows what, what what sort of difference he might have made? Personally speaking, I think that if you were to ask Pat Jennings, you could ask Jerry Armstrong, to ask any Sammy McElroy, any of those players at all, they would have said George could could have made that difference uh, yeah. for us. 
Well, Martin, look, you look at that and that's just, you know, in 11 or 12 years, you're playing amateurs for Northern Ireland and you're in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. That's three just incredible choices that give us a real sense of your career and everything you achieved or just a small part of it, really, just on the international stage. Um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, Martin. Thanks no. so much for sharing your football kit memories with me. Not at all. Thank you very much indeed, Craig. No problem. So people can get the book. It's out now and they can follow you on social media as well. Um, I guess really the last question is what's next? Would there be another book or more punditry, more management? Or It's a really good point. And um, at this minute, I'm, I'm genuinely not, not not sure about what I would what I would want to do. But uh, uh, listen, I've enjoyed the last few months. Anyway, it's been good meeting people like yourself. As good and 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 I think actually probably getting into the real world as my daughters keep telling me. So right. these have these part things are the real world and fine, you know. But I've enjoyed it anyway, and and I'll see what materializes. Fantastic, Martin. Thanks very much. It's all pleasure. So there you have it. Massive thanks to Martin for sharing his football kit memories with me. You can follow me on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. You can pick up Martin's new book on days like these in all good bookstores. And make sure you follow Martin on social too. He's on Twitter and he's on Instagram. The music you heard was produced by Evil Ed. You can check out his music on his Bandcamp page. There's links to absolutely everything I mentioned there in the notes section of the podcast as well. And finally, thanks to you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do spread the word. Give me a follow on social and subscribe to Football Kit Memories on your podcast player of choice sharing is caring and other than that i guess that's it so until next time with my next guest whoever that might be i'll catch you soon mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 